comfortable doing this, but be honest with you, this is a challenge to me this morning. Um, and the main reason is, is I don't want to just give you just a message, although I have a message, but I really want the Lord to impart something to you, okay? And that's the challenge is, Holy Spirit, I need you to be talking when I'm talking, and then I need to be quiet when you're not talking, so, is that right? Lord, help, right? So, I just can't seem to just shake this uh, scripture. I think I talked about it a few weeks ago, but I can't just seem to get away from it, even though I have tried earnestly to not talk about this this morning. I even did a whole other message I was going to do, which I thought was a great message, but I just couldn't ever get settled about it. So I just decided I'm going to do this again. Um, I don't remember what exactly I did last time when I talked about these verses, but I'm just going to do them again, and if this is a repeat for you, just join the club. It's just a constant repeat in my mind <laughs> for months, but it's Matthew 16, and it's, you know, the ultimate question is, is what it is. It's the ultimate question, and let me just read verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, here's the ultimate question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And that's the question everybody's going to have to answer. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and other Jeremiah are one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? So the Lord really went from what's everybody else saying to what are you saying. And see, ultimately, you and I are going to have to answer that question ourselves, personally. Um, And I think the way you see Jesus, the revelation you have of Him, is going to affect every area of your life, whether you know that or not. Of course, you do know it on some level. It will not, let me just say this, it will not affect how God looks at you. It will not affect His love for you, His acceptance of you, His his pride and joy that you are to Him, and His care about you. It will not affect any of that, but it will affect your ability to be able to accept those things and receive those things that God has for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will not affect God if you don't see God right, but it's going to affect you majorly when you do not see God right because it's going to bind you up where you can't receive from Him all that He wants you to have. And you can think of God as the worst person on earth or in heaven, and it will never change the way He feels about you. You can curse Him, you can despise Him, you can hate Him, but He will always love you, He will always care about you, He will always want to you know, reach out to you. But feeling about God, whether you feel good about Him or you feel bad about Him, is going to affect what you get from God and how you get the love of God working in your life and flowing in your life and how you live your life. It's also going to affect how you see yourself. How you view yourself. You can't know yourself properly without knowing God properly. You can't know other people properly 
without a proper understanding of yourself. And you can't understand yourself without understanding God and having revelation from God about you. It's also going to affect how you view the church. Lord have mercy. It's going to affect how you view the church. And how you relate to the church. It's going to affect that in a big way. And lastly, it's going to affect how you view the devil. Okay? And how you relate to the devil. Because the devil is all involved in everything. As Paul said in Ephesians, the prince of the power of air. The air is everywhere. The devil's everywhere. He's operating. Not that he's omnipotent himself, but his influence has been released out. So that's what I think. Let me read Exodus 5.2. This is interesting. This is one of the Old Testament versions of what I just read to you. They were trying to get Israel free. Moses was, went to Pharaoh. Hey, we need to go out in the bushes somewhere and worship. That's what he said. And this is Pharaoh's response. Who's the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Think about it a minute. That answer destroyed that nation. It ultimately destroyed that nation. Have you ever thought about what happened to Egypt after all that they went through? Frogs, the Red Sea turning to blood, locusts that destroyed their entire agricultural crops, the firstborn of everything and everybody, animal and man, dead. You know, the heir to the throne was dead. And then they give the Israelis a bunch of money, a bunch of gold. Just get out of our hair. Here, <laughs> take our money. And they march out into the wilderness and Pharaoh decides he's going to go get them and takes his entire army, all his priests, all his whole thing and chases them and they're all killed. You ever wonder what happened to Egypt after that? Ever thought about that? What happened to Egypt? What was the historical thing? Well, it's a confusing, confusing mess. And if you really study history, you'll find that every Pharaoh after that Pharaoh was not pure Egyptian. They came from other nations meaning other nations took advantage of the situation and infiltrated that country because that country had no army, it had no economy, they were devastated. And a lot of the pharaohs after that came from Libya and Ethiopia and different African nations. It's just fascinating when you think. So that would be a great thought for us this morning about how we answer that question because it's going to affect your life. It's going to affect your life majorly. And see, God is reaching out to people today to reveal Himself to us so we can see who the Lord really is. And that's the most important thing there is, to know the Lord and know who He is and, and have an understanding of who He is. Peter, in verse 16 of back there, Matthew 16, answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, I think this is really vital for everybody, is Jesus made it very clear in his response, is you cannot know the Lord apart from revelation. 
Okay? This is, the, this is the tragic and beautiful thing about Christianity. Okay? God puts us in situations. And they're impossible situations. He asks us to believe impossible things. He asks us to do impossible things. Jacob was over there, up there talking about, we're living in the promised land. We're living in the promised land. But it, to get into the promised land is the most impossible thing in the Bible. It takes God to get there. You can't get yourself there. And so you can't know God. You can't know God. And see, the church needs to get this. We need to, we need to get to a place where we quit looking down on spirituality and, and, and revelation and, and, and spiritual experiences. Uh, you know, it's just tragic that we've exalted theology and doctrine. Doctrine will not lead you to Him. Doctrine will not reveal Himself to only God the Father, only heaven opening over a person. And, re, and there just comes this encounter with this person to begin, to begin to know this person. And see, that's the Father's heart is He wants to reveal Himself. It's not that doctrine is, is a bad thing. It's not that theology is a bad thing. They just won't get you there. They won't get you where you want to go. They won't answer the question for you. And so we have a, 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 that thing years ago that Heidi Baker used to say, she would point at a person's head and say, too big, and their heart too little. Because we're consumed with intellectualism. And, and it doesn't work. It doesn't produce what we're looking for. And so, that's what Jesus says. Jesus exalts revelation. Jesus, he says clear, flesh and blood. That means flesh and blood means the whole realm of the natural there's no evangelist, there's no prophet, there's no apostle, there's no teacher, there's no pastor on earth that can reveal Christ to you. They have not the capabilities because they're flesh and blood. Only God himself can do that for you. But it's God's earnest desire. He will use apostles, prophets, pastors, janitors, children, old men, young men, women, and, and whatever, television, he will use all things to reveal, but he has to be the one using that. And he wants to release the spirit of wisdom and revelation into people's hearts in a greater way than we've ever experienced. Are y'all good? And Yeah, amen. So, it's interested in that he said that, that, he gave here, I don't know if you ever really saw this, uh, when Peter answered the Lord in verse uh, 16, his answer is the answer that we need to have. There's, he said two things. He said, you're, you're the Christ, you're the Christ, and you're the Son of the living God. They, so let me just say this. Those are two aspects of Jesus' identity. The two vital aspects of Jesus' identity. One of them, Christ, means obviously the anointed one. Okay? That's speaking of the power of God. Okay? That's speaking of God's power. The son of the living God, to a Hebrew, when someone said a son, you're a son of so-and-so, it meant you were that person. In other words, that was you're God, you're the Father. You're the Father. You're also the anointed one. So one of them has to do with family 
and one of them has to do with missions. Oh, I, this is really important that we get this this morning. Christianity seems to have one wing working really good all the time. You ever notice that? You know, one wing. We got the, we got the anointing. You know, we got the anointing. We got the anointing for years. We thought, but something wasn't working. We felt like we were going in circles because we lacked. We got that revelation of Christ. We had that revelation for Christ, but we didn't have that revelation of the Father to go with it. Are y'all seeing that? And so what happens is if you don't have both, you're missing something. You're missing something that's going to keep you off balance in your life. Does that make sense to y'all? One of them has to do with his face. One of them has to do with his hand. And that's why whenever you hear, you know, religious people say, you know, just seek the face of God, tell them they're full of baloney, you know, because if you just do that, you've only sought a part of the Lord. And God wants to reveal himself in a greater part, you know, than that. And so if you really ever want to know your true self, um, well, you know, here's the way it works. You get a bunch of young guys and women they're gifted and called, got anointing on them, and that becomes their identity. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Their gifting and calling becomes their identity, not knowing that one day their gifting and calling is going to let them down. Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, if you don't have that other revelation of the Father... Who will never let you down. That's really where you get your real identity. It's only a father can give identity. And so I think in my, my life, maybe this is why this is so important to me, is my, in my life, I feel like I lived a part of my life without that revelation of the father. But I did have a revelation of a calling. And I did have a revelation of, of ministry. I did have a revelation of anointing. But my, my life didn't work very, very well. And I think a lot of people's lives don't work really well. I think I've seen people who, who have revelation of the Father, but it's, it seems like, you know, they're not really doing anything. They don't have a mission Something's wrong with Christians who don't have a mission. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Something's wrong with Christians who don't have a mission. Because the Bible is all about a mission. It started with a mission. The book of Genesis is about, it started with a mission to expand the kingdom. And when Christianity becomes just about who we are and, our, and being loved and being accepted, if it's all just about that, something, if, at some point, if you just don't get this other thing working in your life, it's, it's going to go bad on you. It, it's, gonna, it's not going to work in your life. Are y'all following that? I'm telling you, you we've got to get this this morning. We've got to get this because if we don't get this, we'll never be really affected the way God's called us to be. We got to get off, you know, one-sided Christianity where we're all focused on doing the works of God and we're going to save the world for Jesus. You know, it's like one preacher said years ago, he said, you can go all over the world and preach the gospel. 
And people will get saved. But if you don't know the Father, you're giving a second-hand story. And I think that's a lot of what we see in evangelism and outreach. is people out there, God's saving them, but there ain't no fathers around. There's no release of His love and acceptance to people. Does this make sense? It's so good. It's so good when you start getting into it. It is. <laughs> Alrighty. So this is what I'm thinking. Once we begin to get this revelation of, of Jesus, both of them working in our life, something good's going to happen to us because this is what Jesus said. He said, You're blessed. Okay? And blessed means happy. Okay, that's what it means. It means you're gonna you're gonna be a happy guy when you start getting this. Because he said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah. That's what he said, happy are you. And that's why the church is not always a happy place and there's heavy Christians. Uh, have you ever been around people who are just heavy? Oh, they got this burden for the, for the nations. But you can't stand to be around them because you feel like, good gosh, are you carrying that nation on your back single-handedly like you're going to be the one who's going to make sure everything works out for them? You know? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I tell you what, that is not a good revelation. You done fell way over there on, on the, in the Christ, the anointed side, so much so that you done lost the person of Christ in, in the middle of it. And I do appreciate having burdens for things, but I don't really want to get beat to death with them. You know? I can remember, you know, before I come into this revelation of grace, coming up to the church, I tell people this all the time because this is the truth. I come up to this church, and I look at it, and I go, <sighs> And here, here's why I do that, because I saw that church. I mean, this is stupid to even think this way, but I, I can't help it. I would see this picture. I'm bent over, and there's this church on my back. And it would make me go, huh. Like, I got to carry this thing. I got to make this happen. And what Becky reminded me this week, every Monday you wanted to quit. <laughs> every Monday. Well, it got. here's the way it got to Heck, I'm going to quit every day now. In fact, I quit every day. I quit. But I'm talking about a good quit, and I ain't doing this, Lord. I can't do this myself. You know? I can't do this. This is not meant for me to do. It's meant for you to flow through me instead of being all burdened and beat up in miserable Christianity. Somebody wrote a book called The Happy Intercessor. I think everybody who's in the intercession should read I've never read the book. You know, but just read it just to be happy about it. Like, at least there's somebody out there that's doing intercession that's happy instead of mad. And all beat up and all frustrated. Well, I could say the th same thing about pastors. Don't ever go to a pastor's meeting if you want to be encouraged. <laughs> You'll go away like, good Lord. I'm, this is no lie. I went to a pastor's meeting one time, and I came home, and I was bummed. And Becky said, what is wrong with you? I said, we're in trouble. I just went to the shepherd's meeting of every shepherd in this city. And it was the most miserable, sorry meeting I have ever been to. You couldn't even believe people were Christians in there. They were reading prayers that were like drudgeries. I'm thinking, I'm not drudging this thing. You know, God ain't all drudgery. He's joy. That's what I'm believing. But you know what I was feeling this morning in worship? I was feeling like all over the country, their churches that fragrance was coming forth. You know, and God is really, really loves that fragrance when we 
can really release a worship to him out of our hearts. And it pleases the Father. And there's people all over the, all over the nation that are releasing a fragrance to the Lord this morning. And it's really changing the atmosphere of places. I, I really believe that. And I really want to encourage you, you know, about that. It's really um, whatever it is that holds you back, that's holding your heart back from, from releasing that song we started out with, that fragrance. Whatever that fragrance of you, you're the fragrance. And so many Christians are bound and can't release because when they look at themselves, they think something's wrong with them. And they don't feel like the fragrance in them is a good fragrance. And God, what God wants to do is free people to know that your fragrance in you is precious to Him. He wants you to know that. And when you release it in worship or whatever you do in your life, God wants you to know that's something that brings joy to His heart. But so many of us are bound up. And I'm telling you, you think it's not cool, it's not macho, it's just foolishness. And you don't need to wait till you're 60 years old to kind of figure that out. Okay? I'm telling on myself. You don't need to wait that long and look back on your life and realize that you were bound and you were imprisoned within your own self by the lies you believed about yourself. And when you begin to get a revelation of Christ, the anointed one, and Christ as, as God the Father, it will change you. It can free you from you. It can free you from the lies you believe about yourself and you can begin to come in and be everything that God has said you are and be and do everything He's called you to do in your life. And it's not an effort, it's a flow. It's not something you have to conjure up and work at and front over and quit on and get mad every Monday morning about it and quit and go home and, you know, fight God about it and be upset and mad. It can just be a flow in your life. Do y'all believe that? And that's really what the Lord wants to do. That's a blessing to be able to live that life. And it's also, like I said, it's your identity. Is you get your identity. You're, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Now, listen to me. Here's an argument. Well, later on, Peter fell away from the Lord. Right? Even though he had his identity, he had this revelation. Just because you've got revelation identity doesn't mean doesn't make you perfect or, or, you know what I'm saying? Just don't, don't discard this thing that happened to him just because he blew it later. In fact, he blew it several times later. He even blew it after Pentecost. You know, he had to get fussed at by Paul for, you know, getting him back into legalism. Right? But it didn't disqualify what Jesus said. And what Jesus believed about him. And I think that's what we got to go on. Not what a man does. Even if the man happened to be Peter. We can't let that disqualify how powerfully God can move in your life. And he begins to speak to you about who you are. And tell you who you are. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter really what anybody does. And, and really even yourself. You can't in the end of the day disqualify yourself from who God says you are. I don't care what you do, okay? 
All you're going to do, like I said, you're going to hinder yourself from being able to live in that and receive that. Yes, yeah, good. All right, well, here's the one, the, the one thing. It's this thing, the gates of hell. Everybody know about the gates of hell? He said, you're Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. Oh, I did want to say something about the church uh, this morning, if I could. Um, you had to really understand this, that this is... Um, I really believe in the church, obviously, or I wouldn't be standing here right now. You know, I mean, I mean, I have a real, you know, I'm like a church guy, to be honest with you. I always have been. I've always loved it. It was the moment I was saved. I loved the church. Okay? Here's my thought. This is my opinion. I don't really like people bad-mouthing the church. Even when the church is being bad, I don't really think it's right to do that. You know, as one person said, you bad-mouth my wife. Well, all I got to do is let her have you. You know, she, you bad, she, you'd regret just, you know, she'd beat you. But some men, you say something better about their wife, and you might be getting beat up on, even if their wife was bad. And, and really, we're the bride of Christ, and we're not perfect. I'm talking about the church in general. I'm any church. Every church has issues and failures. Guess why? Guess why we have issues and failures? Guess why we're not great? Because of us. <laughs> we showed up, you know. The church was great, and I showed up. <laughs> I brought a mess with me. I brought me with me, you know. And so I've tried. I really tried to have lived this thing in my life. We're not a showroom. If you're looking for a showroom, you're in the wrong church. We're in a workshop. It's messy. Sparks fly. Things happen. As one person said, "Where there's no friction, there's no traction." You know. And so churches go through difficulty. There's but there's, they're really getting traction in those places. And so when people begin to put the church down and reject the church, really what they're, what they're exposing, I believe, is their lack of revelation of the Lord. Because when you begin to get this revelation of the Lord himself, then you're going to look at the church different. Because he looks at the church different. And you're going to begin to see it through his eyes and how he feels. Are y'all following that? Yeah. Are y'all okay? Yeah. Well, I'm going to get through here. So, thank you, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord, have impartation this morning. Help us. Anyways, about, back to this floodgates of hell thing, which is kind of the spiritual warfare. You know, because he said the gates of hell will not stand, or gates of Hades, I think they used that term there. But um, I like this term, floodgates. I wanted to read a Revelation twelve fifteen. I'm just picking one little verse out of Revelations. I'm not trying to explain Revelation. Other people have a better chance of doing that than I. But it says the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Wow, isn't that a picture? That's what I want you to get. I want you to get a picture of this. Now, that's what's... Happening. That's why Jesus, the Paul's the prince of the power of air. It's like there's this flood of wickedness that's constantly being released, right? That we live in a fallen world. We live in a decaying world. We live in a sick world. We live in a world of corruption. It's like going. Have you ever you ever been to a restaurant and you immediately notice the waitress has got snot running out of their nose and <laughs> something running out of their ear and. <laughs> They're sniffing. They're scratching real bad. Like, you all right? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got, got, got allergies. 
<laughs> you ever had that guy? I have. I'm telling you, like, God, you got allergies to me. I got to get out of here. I don't want them putting that lemon in my water. You know? I don't want them touching nothing. God, please help and protect me. Should I just get up and tell them, oh, I don't feel good. I got to go home. <laughs> you made me sick looking at you. Because you're really sick and you should be at home in bed <laughs> with a thermometer in your mouth. <laughs> well, that's sort of like what spiritually there's this sickness that's released into the earth. It's like a flood. You know, it's like a flood of sickness that's constantly, constantly flowing in the earth. And, you know, it's just gotten terrible, really. It's gotten worse, I think, but. I don't really know exactly where this scripture is actually fulfilled or, when, you know, was and will be when, you know, in, in terms of revelation. But I know it's true for, for today that there, the floodgates of, he, of hell are open. They're open and they're, being, they're flowing. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus said the gates of hell, the floodgates of hell will not prevail. That's what he said. He said that. Because of what? Because of the revelation. Okay? Because of the revelation that the Father gives His people. That is how we're going to begin to stop the floodgates of hell in our life. Anybody got the floodgates of hell they're dealing with in their life? Like a child that's gone astray as a parent. That's a floodgate of hell. Sickness. Any kind of sickness. Any kind of disease. Those are floodgates. And the Lord was saying right here, this, this will not stand. This will not stand against the council of heaven. And, but, it's, but here's the, the reality is, it's not, it's, it's comes through people who have this revelation of Christ. See, that's the whole thing. This didn't happen in Peter's life because it happened because he got this revelation. Do you see what I'm saying to you? And so when we begin to really realize who Christ is, not just with our mind, not just mentally, that's when we can begin to push wickedness back off of us and, and really begin to push it away from us. As long as we're just doing it because we're reading Bible verses and thinking that's going to be enough, I don't believe that really is the way this deal works. That's why Jesus said, he said this, listen, who do you say that I am? Not who do you think I am or who do you believe in your heart I am. Now, we have worked with this confession thing for years, right? Trying to figure out how to say something that's going to make a difference. We've wrestled with it. I know I have. You know, have you ever did that, said something, and got the opposite? In the name of the Lord, you know, you're going to say something. I'm thinking we're getting really close to seeing something. Jesus is saying, when you get this revelation of who I am, then you can begin to say to the mountain. But you, you can say, you can talk to a mountain all day long. And that mountain's going to sit there and like look at you and like, really? I'm not going nowhere. You're going somewhere. You can wear your voice out because you, I'm not hearing God in your voice. I'm not hearing revelation in your voice. But when we begin to really see the Lord, you know, and, and can have some prayer of decree 
that's coming out of this revelation of the, this person. Does this make sense? I mean, I know. It not, oh, this sounds stupid. Lord, I got this problem in my life. Oh, you know, Jesus Christ is the anointed one. He's the Lord. That's what I'm saying. Now, that just sounds like weak to me. But if it's coming out of a real revelation, you see what I'm saying? If that is coming out of a real revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord, He's the anointed one. When you say that, whatever's going on in the spiritual realm is going to break. But it's not going to break if you're just saying it with your mouth because it's written in the Bible. Because somebody can say, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord, all day long. And see, I think really what the Lord was showing here is, you know, about really how He wants us to do real spiritual warfare. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. That's what He told him. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose. I think I told you all my story about the keys. Did I tell you all that one time? About my keys... I, I came home from work, or came home, well, yeah, I came home from work, and I and, uh, had stuff in my hands, so I got in my car, I got my keys out, and I did, because I really had to go unlock the door of my house, so I wanted to be able to not have to dig around in my pocket, you know, and move my phone so I wouldn't scratch it up and all that mess, you know, so what I did brilliantly is I put my keys in my mouth, and I started, and got my stuff, and walked up to the door, and got to the door. Where's my keys at? <laughs> I started feeling around. I had to put my stuff down. I started feeling around, and I realized my keys were in my mouth. You know, and the Lord spoke to me that scripture. That's that's our keys to locking and unlocking. Is is your the two-edged sword that the Bible talks about? Actually, literally means a two-tongue sword. That's the literal meaning of that, a two-tongue sword. It's God's tongue and your tongue in agreement with God. And when you, that's how we are able to bind the enemy in our lives, bind them over our finances, bind them over our families, our children, our grandchildren, whatever we're God, whatever God has called us to be. More than likely, I'm not going to be able to go bind something in the Philippines, the nation of Philippines this morning, because God has not assigned that to me. But if God gives you an assignment, He gives you authority where that assignment is. He gives you the ability to speak. But you need this revelation about the, this person. See, everything rests on Him. Is, is really the whole point of this. What I'm really wanting you to get this morning is it is, really is the ultimate question for our lives. We, can't, we don't need to start with spiritual warfare. We don't need to start with trying to get an identity. Right? We don't need to start with trying to figure out the church. If we start with all that, we're going to wind up frustrated, fail, failing, failing Christians. But if we can start with this person and ask him, you know what, Lord, I need a greater revelation of Christ. I need a greater revelation of this anointing. 
I need a greater revelation of the Father. And when that begins to flow, that spirit of wisdom and revelation begins to flow in your life, then you can start talking to Him like, you know, I need to know some things about myself. I need to, I need to know who I am. I don't know who I am. You know that old thing, uh, who am I and why am I here? Y'all have heard that, right? That's the, the ultimate question. Have y'all heard that? You know, who am I? I mean, am I the only person that knows about that? Surely you know about that. Who am I and why am I here? What is my purpose? I mean, that's supposed to be like the two ultimate questions of all, of all humans. Deep down in every human being's heart, they're trying to answer that question. Well, here's how. The, the better question is, who is he and why is he here? And when we begin to get that answer, then we begin to get the answer about ourselves. It really is true. You can't know yourself without Him. Your true self. I feel like I've said all this before to y'all. Are y'all getting this? I, I really want you to get this. I want to get it. Really desperately want to. Because I want, I want some things to shift in my life. I want some things to shift. And I'm asking the Lord, how am I going to get these things to shift? And this is the answer He gives me every time. Uh, well, who am I to you, Byron? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? That's how they're going to shift. And the way you, the way I reveal myself to you, that's the way I want to function in your life. When Joshua crossed over, okay, how did the Lord reveal himself to Joshua? Now, listen, remember this. Joshua spent years in the presence of the Lord. Years in the temp- tabernacle of Moses before, right when they were in the wilderness. He, it says when God, when the cloud would come, Moses would go there, and I can just see Joshua trotting right behind him. Like, if you're going, I'm going. If you can go in there, I can go in there. Goes in there, God's presence is manifested in there. And God would speak to Moses, and Moses would tell everybody, and then Moses would go back to his tent. Guess what Joshua would do? It says he would just stay in there. He would stay in there till all the presence was gone because he wanted to get every drop of it. Every drop of it. Every drop. So he goes to the promised land and he gets out there and they do all this stuff. You know, they cut everybody up. They had this hill. Now, I said snot. Now, this is even worse. The hill of foreskins. They cut all these guys up, man, and piled them all up in this big pile. Hopefully they burned them. I don't know. So he's having a big old time, you know. He's going to cross this thing. You know, Joshua was on top of the world that moment. He's cut everybody up. <laughs> you know, just him and him and Caleb were the two two old guys. I mean, they were like the ones who really knew the Lord. You know, the man to stop. Hey, don't worry about it. Here's food. You know. And then one day he goes out, and there's this man. Standing out there. And, you know, Joshua was on top. And, you know, he knew the Lord. God was using him. He had this powerful anointing. He'd been in the presence of the Lord. And he sees this man and he says, Hey, are you for us or against us? Because the guy looked like he might have been a guy you didn't want to mess with. So he wanted to know, like, am I going to have to fight this guy or bring fire down on him from heaven or something? You know? You know what I'm saying? And that guy said, Listen, you ain't getting it, buddy. That ain't the right question. And it was the Lord. And the Lord revealed himself as what? As an army commander. As the captain. Because why? Because Joshua, either you're in the promised land, you've got a war to fight in front of you to take this land. 
you know. And that's why the Lord revealed himself to him like that. Because in him revealing himself like that, there was an impartation given to Joshua to be able to go. A guy who had never, basically a daggone Holy Ghost soaker guy. You know, that's what he was, a Holy Ghost soaker guy. Now he's got to be an army guy. He's got to be a military man and didn't know how to fight, fight. But he knew at that moment because he got an impartation from the Lord. Okay, I'm done. Becky says you're done. <laughs> so why don't we stand up? I want to just um, I wanted Jacob to do good, good father. Um, last night I was with the Holy Ghost girls at their retreat, and during the worship, we were doing good, good father. And um, in this song says it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who I am, it's who I am. And I really felt as we, and the Lord just, we just sang that over and over. It was like revelation was just going deep in these girls and us. And I felt the Lord put stakes in our hands. Every time we would sing, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who I am. And I felt like we were climbing a mountain. And those stakes in our hand were, it's who you are. It's who I am. It's who you are. It's who I am. And I just really feel like it's, that is so true that we walk out of what God has revealed to us about himself. That's how we walk this out. So that's really amazing. And I want the ministry team to come up this morning and, um, so that we can pray for you. Mm. Thank you, Lord. It's good. Good message, wasn't it? Thank you, Lord really powerful. And I just want to say this to you. I encourage you to get prayer. Um, we spent the weekend with about 30 girls and just, just people laying hands on, uh, on one another. The body of Christ has so much to give one another. We spent all weekend. That's really what we did was just really ministering to one another and things. It's just amazing when we lay hands, things that just come off of us. I mean, I want us to not take this for granted. This is a powerful tool God has given us as the body of Christ. And, you know, so much of what we give out really does come out of our own things that we have with the Lord. And these teens are anointed to break yokes this morning. And I want you to respond to the Lord this morning. I believe he wants us to go deeper. I really feel like we think we know things, but we don't. There's more of the revelation of the Father, the revelation of who he is that is coming. And if we don't open our hearts to receive it, we can't have it. So I believe this morning the Lord really wants to take us deeper into who he is. And I believe there is anointing in this house on these hands and one another that we can release more of who he is because of what we're walking in. So I just say, just respond to the Lord. There is deeper layers that God wants to get to inside of us. I believe that's what this message is about this morning. It's time to go deeper, deeper still. Jesus in the garden, further still. He had further still to go to his place of destiny. So there's further still for, the, for us today. So thank you, Lord. And we want to just say, Lord, come. Just come, Lord. And I just want us to sing this song for a minute. You can start responding.